Um, in the end of chapter 9, Jesus sees the people as sheep without a shepherd. He is very concerned for them. And he realizes there's more work to be done. The harvest is plentiful, verse 37, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And then Jesus begins to do that. He takes the twelve uh, and he, uh, he summons them and he's going to send them out because he feels that sense of urgency to get the message out, to get the proclamation of the gospel to everybody. And so that's kind of the context of him doing this. So um, let's read 5 to 15. These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, saying, <coughs> Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts, or a bag for your journey, or even two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. And into whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and abide there until you go away. And as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, let your greeting of peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your greeting of peace return to you. And whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake off the dust of your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So, he gives them instructions. What are the instructions? Only go to the to the law, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, not the Gentiles or Samaritans. Isn't that fascinating? Where would you have expected him to send evangelists? To the most lost. Yes, to the Gentiles and Samaritans, the lost people. But where does Jesus see the lost people? Isn't that kind of shocking? I think it would have been to the uh, Jews. He sees Israel as this needy mission field. There's where he sees the lost sheep. It's not that there aren't plenty among the Samaritans and the Gentiles too. But so often it's the people who think they're right that are the lostest, if we can <laughs> coin that term. You know, they need the gospel. And uh, so he sends them out um, you know, to, to teach the, the Gentiles, or to teach the Jews who are, who are lost. And what are they supposed to do as they do that? Preach. Yeah, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, that's the message. We heard that message before? Mm -hmm. From John. That was John. And Jesus. And Jesus, and now the disciples. God's kingship, God's rule and dominion through Jesus is at hand and needs to be proclaimed. That's a, that's a huge, um, huge responsibility. Well, what else are they supposed to do besides preach? They're supposed to heal people? Yeah, heal, cast out demons, and do it how? Really? No charge. You know, because if you try to seek financial gain out of this, it kind of discredits the whole mission. You know, you're preaching a kingdom that's not of this world, but your whole motive is to get rich in this world. That kind of contradicts what you're trying to say. So he says, you, you received it freely, you give it freely. Don't charge, you know, for your preaching. Um, and... How, what are they not supposed to take with them? Bags are, they're not supposed to take uh, bags. Or two coats. A coat, yeah. Don't take extra provisions with you. It's kind of funny, after telling them what to preach, he tells them how to pack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, go as you are. You know, if you're not going to be taking extra stuff, you don't need a bag to carry it in. Mm -hmm. 
Why would Jesus say that? That seems really kind of like, well, anybody, you know, takes some stuff. I mean, they're liable to need things. I think he, uh, the reason why he told them is because to, to rely completely on God. Uh, to 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 show the world that you know that the the, the God the God that is supporting these people were alive and you know able to able to fulfill whatever that they need. I think that's one thing. It shows their trust in God, <laughs> depend on the Lord. What's another reason he'd tell them this? The people they're visiting, like they're going to, are supposed to. Yes. They're supposed to just stay with and let the people they're preaching to take care of them. <coughs> that's that's a part. He's going to let them show hospitality. There's another reason, I think. Those both are right. There's three or four reasons. I think because the mission's urgent. They don't have time to pack. Go. Mm-hmm. Preach. Now, we must look at Luke chapter 22 so that we don't misinterpret this. In Luke chapter 22, and verse 35, Jesus said to them, When I sent you out without money, belt, and bag, and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, No, nothing. And he said to them, But now whoever has a money belt is to take it along, likewise also a bag, and whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. So, these instructions are not to be literally carried out today. You know, Jesus, I, I think in the context in Luke 22, Jesus was saying, times are going to get tougher. You're not going to be able to trust the hospitality of the people you're preaching to. You know, you're going to have to take care of yourselves. But still, I think concepts like we need to depend on the Lord and the mission is urgent, are still concepts that are valid, even though those specific instructions no longer apply. Where was that verse that you said? Luke 22, 35, and 36. Notice in 11, what does he tell you to do when you go into a city or village? Find someone who is worthy. And just stay with them. As long as you're there. Which I think in part means don't shop around for better accommodations. <laughs> you know, you go wherever is a good place to stay and you stay there. This is not about you finding the most luxurious hotel in the city. <clears throat> this is about you going and preaching the gospel. Uh, and you give it a ble- the house of blessing when you enter. And, uh, well, if the house is not worthy... Your blessing will come back on you. God won't bless a house that's not worthy. And if somebody doesn't receive you or heed your words, verse 14, that's really saying the same thing. The judgment's based upon receiving the messengers, that is their message, then what were they supposed to do? Shake the dust off your feet. Yeah. Don't even let the dust contaminate your feet from that city that rejects God's message and God's messengers. The, um, you know, when when they've got a, a privilege like this, to hear the apostles of Christ preach the message of the Lord, it gives them a great responsibility. He said it'd be better for places like Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were like proverbs for wickedness but better for them than cities who have the opportunity to hear the apostles of Christ and reject them. The more opportunity we have, the more responsibility we have to respond positively. So, you know, to have the unprecedented honor of hearing the disciples preach and reject it is the worst you can get. Comments and thoughts through 15. The lost sheep of the house of Israel, is that just referring to all Israel? Or is it specifying a difference in them? I'm not sure if I know the answer to that. I'm almost inclined to think it's the lost sheep that is the house of Israel. (laughs) I'm not sure he's really trying to distinguish between the lost and the saved in Israel. Because they're going out and preaching to everybody. I have a thought that uh, 
it's saying that it is better to for the Sodom and Gomorrah for you know so is is that is that asking literally as you know they'll be punished people who rejected the the message will be punished more by in the judgment time or maybe so maybe so maybe there is a more severe punishment for those who have more opportunity and reject because uh, the, uh, like about weeks ago that I was listening to the one of the the preacher over there uh, in the Burmese uh, service and he was teaching one of these days it will be it will, the, day, the day will come that you know people like there will be no no one to preach about the Bible that because they said it's gonna the, the one when you know God take his people then there, there will be no one to teach about you know the Bible on earth and people will be looking from you know, East Coast to West Coast, for all over the places, uh, for look uh, to hear the gospel, and there will be no, there won't be truth on on earth. Then there, there won't be there nobody to teach about the priest. So it is our opportunity to to listen to you know the, I don't know where he got it from. He 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 takes some of the verses, and I should have looked looked through it. But I was just thinking at the same time. Well, what would it be like? Having to have no Bible, having to have the truth on earth. You know, people just make up some story, and then we. We had to go through all this. And I, I, imagine what it would be. I'm not sure where he came up with that. I don't know of anything the Bible to indicate. Is, is, is there anything that indicating that? Uh, okay, all right. Probably that. I don't know where he got. Yeah, it from. I, I don't I thought know. It was that. it was kind of cool to get to put the people in a different you know perspective, point of view, the thinking. Okay, what would happen if there was no Bible? <laughs> yeah. Now, what did we do? <laughs> I mean, Jesus said, "My word will not pass away." So. So. I, I was talking about rapture. Right, yeah, something something like that that isn't biblical. So my guess is he didn't get that really from the Bible. Okay. But it would be horrible if we didn't have God's Word, that's for sure. You know, we need to treasure the privilege we have of having the Word and realize that gives us a big responsibility. And we've got We've got a tremendous blessing. God revealed himself to us, and we need to respond to that. Comments? It's interesting to me that he sent out the apostles at this point when they don't know a whole lot. Like they don't understand completely who Jesus is yet, would you say? Well, I mean, they've seen a lot, but no, they don't completely understand. And he still trusted them with yeah. preaching it. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that they were preaching all the details, but you right. know. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, they're certainly going to learn more later. They're not, they're not completely understanding. So, you don't have to know it all to be able to preach. Yeah. Good point. Other thoughts? Okay. Uh, well, it looks to me like that we broaden this thing out in the next section. He concludes verse fifteen with the truly. Verse fifteen. Truly, I say to you. And then we're going to have that again uh, somewhere in uh, <coughs> verse 23, uh, in the middle of it, truly I say unto you. And then we're going to have that again in verse 42, near the end, truly I say to you. I think those truly I say to you's in those verses kind of divide up the sections. And so 1 to 15 is Jesus sending them out right then. I think 16 to 23 really applies to other times they would go out after this. And you'll see why I say that as you read this. So 16 to 23. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues and you shall even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not become anxious about how or what you will speak, for it shall be given you in that hour what you are to speak. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. And brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children, children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all on account of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. 
But whenever they persecute you in this city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you shall not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Okay. So look at what he says in 16. You know, he's sending them out. And he really is talking about a broader mission because he talks about they'd be brought before the courts and governors and kings and testimony of the Gentiles and all that. Well, that's not just going to happen when they're going to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But we know, like in Matthew 28, he's going to send them to teach all the nations. And so this, I think, is referring to later missions. But he says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. What's that saying? Sounds scary. Uh -huh. It does. How does a sheep fare among wolves? Not very well. Yeah, this sounds pretty um, complicated. You know, he's saying, right now, things aren't going to be that bad. But the time's coming when you're going to be like sheep thrown to the wolves. It's going to be really difficult. So what do they need? Three things in this section. What, do, what qualities do they need? Shrewdness. Shrewdness. What's that saying? Kind <clears throat> of smart. Hey, you better be smart. You know, you better be very um, discerning, very wise about what you say and what you do because there's going to be wolves out there ready to persecute you, you know, and you're going to be persecuted by lots of people. <laughs> You know, I mean, he tells us in this section they were going to be persecuted by who? Yeah. By 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 people, like by what people? <laughs> <laughs> like in seventeen, who's going to persecute them? Governments. Governments, and what else in seventeen? Synagogues. Religious groups, and twenty-one. Families, yeah. You're going to be persecuted on all hands. So, you know, no flashy heroism here. Use your head. You know, don't, you're going to need to. I mean, you're going to have to get out of the way sometimes. Um, you're going to have to try to, to you know, be careful. Um, he tells them in verse uh, 17, beware of men. He tells them in 23, when, whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. Now, did he mean for them to back down from their preaching and just be cowards? No, he clearly is not saying that. Was there ever a time they were going to be martyred and killed and beaten and whipped and all that? Yes, sometimes that's unavoidable. Should they take precautions against that? Yes. Should they be careful? Should they be thoughtful? Should they be, you know, fleeing when, when necessary? Absolutely. It's not going to help the cause just to, like, go up to the authorities and say, here, shoot me. You know, that's not what he wants. I mean, this is not trying to be some act of unnecessary bravery. You know, necessary courage? Absolutely. But just foolhardiness? No. Be as, be as wise as serpents. Make sense? <clears throat> Paul. Paul's entire life <laughs> running from one city to the next. And he had he lots even, of experience with that. Like he even used you know, legal resources that he had to protect himself. He did. Legitimate. Yes. Yeah. So that's one principle. What else do they need? Faith. And yes. To trust in God that he will, he will deliver what you have to say. Certainly. Sure. I mean, everything they've got to trust the Lord. What does he tell them here in 16 that they need? Innocence. Innocence. When you say to be like a snake, <laughs> that could leave the wrong impression, don't you think? <laughs> because while snakes are known for their, uh, you know, wisdom, cunning, whatever, they're also known to be kind of, um, you know, evil. So not that. As pure as a dove. You know, shrewd as serpent, but as innocent as a dove. Not, uh, don't be as guilty as serpents and as foolish as a dove, but be as wise as the serpent and as innocent as the dove. You know, because just because we're wise doesn't mean we ought to be dishonest or ought to be corrupt or wicked. We've got to be absolutely pure, totally, totally innocent. 
So, so they need to maintain that. Um, you know, it's it's a balance. Don't be gullible, but don't be malicious. Don't be crafty. Don't be crafty in a in a deceitful, dishonest, underhanded kind of a way. Yes, exactly. That, that's a that's a you know that's kind of a, a tightrope there. You know, to, to get both sides of that. It help, it does help seeing the apostles and seeing Jesus, how they handle certain things. You get, It gives you kind of some guidelines. And what else do they need in the rest of this chapter, in the rest of this section? Endurance. Endurance. There's a lot of things you could say. I'm going to say courage. You know, look, for example, at verse 18. When they're brought before governors and kings, what what's the purpose of that? To be a testimony to them. Yeah, embrace the opportunity to speak about Christ to them. And 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 when they hand you over, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Lord will speak through you. You know, uh, just 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 preach to them. Uh, so you know, there's going to be a lot of opposition everywhere, even from our closest friends and family. Have the courage and the strength and the boldness to preach. That's a challenging section. That's a lot to tell them, you know, um, and they really need to be ready for this. I mean, look at verse 22. Can you imagine verse 22? That doesn't sound like fun. It sounds lonely. Yeah. A lot of rejection. How do you like to be rejected? Not at all. <laughs> Man, we will do all kinds of things to avoid rejection. And yet that's exactly what he's predicting. That's what he's saying will happen. And uh, they don't have long. I mean, as far as the mission in Israel is concerned, they won't finish it until the Son of Man comes. Um, Perhaps he's saying when he comes to destroy Jerusalem in AD 70. So maybe he's saying with you only have a generation and, and you know you won't have completed your work. There's perhaps some other uh, other options there, but that's that's what I'll go with. So thoughts and comments through twenty three. Because Jesus talks about himself a lot of times, right? By that phrase, son of man. Oh, almost, yeah, yeah, always, like 70 times nearly, <laughs> okay. 65 or 70 in the Gospels. Yeah. He uses Son of Man. And obviously he's already there. Yes. So he's not talking about today right. or tomorrow. Right. <clears throat> so he's looking forward to some Some future. other coming. There are other options, but I think that makes the most sense as I read this context. And certainly there are passages that use the idea of him coming in judgment on Jerusalem, Matthew 24 uses it that way, for example. So. Uh, yes. How does this section apply to us? Like, um, are we supposed to not worry what we're going to say because the Spirit's going to give us, you know, what to say in a certain situation? Um, like, obviously he's talking to them. Do we just take the principles from that and apply it in our lives? Good question. Um, I'm not sure I can give a total answer. I will say a couple of things. I do think we can trust the Lord to be with us in these unnerving situations when we've got our back to the wall and are facing intimidating people. That we should trust the Lord to be with us and to give us the words to speak at that time. I think there's a sense in which that's true for us. But let me say two more things about that. One is, you know, the Spirit has given us a revelation that they didn't have to help us with that as well. <laughs> so that would seem like a logical thing if we want the Spirit to speak in us, to be full of the message the Spirit's already given us. <laughs> and I am not sure that this means what people say it means, even for them. <laughs> I've heard people almost imply that this is saying automatically that they don't ever need to study or they don't need to ever prepare anything, that anytime they speak, God will just give them the words to speak. Well, we don't take God's telling us that he'll give us our daily bread 
to mean that we don't have to do anything. So I think this promise even for them was just God would be with them and he'd, he'd help them with the words to say. Not that under no circumstances should they ever think about something they're going to say before they say it or prepare a sermon before they preach it or something like that. I think sometimes we mistake even what he was saying to them. Okay. Caleb. It's encouraging in verse um, 19 when it says, don't um, worry about what you're going to say like. Normally, we like to put up a defense right away, but we can remember that when Jesus was asked for a defense, he didn't say anything, did he? He didn't. Now, that's when it was a kind of a personal thing. They were attacking him. There'd be a time to defend the gospel, but when they've turned against us and are just attacking us, sometimes the best thing to do is to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was really impressive that Jesus managed to do that, too. That took a lot of self-control. <laughs> Good point. Other thoughts? Well, I think that the reason why he could have, like, is because he, as God, he see the future. I mean, he probably see the future, you know. He, well, the, the reason, everything that he did is become our reason to, like, we have something to look forward to. Because he go through everything, and now I think that for me it's like if, uh, for me, I apply it to directly like that. That verse is like very important to me because before that is like I had a lot of you know anxiety about how my life should ought to be, you know, things that I need to manage, and and I, <clears throat> I have I forgot that you know like God is the one who created everything that that I touch, everything He involved in everything that I do, and. Is I don't think it, it this this very verses I think that that apply to them as you know because uh, it was kind of like more direct directly for them they will be uh, the wrong actually does uh, persecute the Christian right after the, the, uh, Jesus died and for us that uh, I don't think if we're gonna go apply this this verse directly you know like uh, if we if we are in front of God then we uh, court then what we're gonna say on these things we probably not gonna you know the uh, I don't think that I. I would ever have to go through, you know, directly related to that verse uh, in like a hundred percent. But I think I can apply to the, these things, at, you know, in in, our, in in my individual way that you know, I can't see the future. So that knowing that God will, you know, if He want to use me, then He can use me in any way that the, in any way. So there's no re reason for me to be worried about what kind of, you know, what kind of things, uh, you know, how many. You know, how, what kind of skill that I need to acquire or anything like that. If you're going to use it, he can use whoever. It's not just me. He can use anyone on the street or whatever. He can go use it. And I see a lot of people, you know, it was, it was for for instance, there were guys that who were preaching. They were awesome. They were, they, were, they were so good at preaching. And yet, and there are some people who go through, you know, theology to get a doctor degree and then can explain what, a verse about you know like to you know can't even make me to listen to one one verse. It, that, that that's that's and I see the wow this is this is it. Uh, the, the, some people get used, some people don't. I think and I apply it directly that I should trust in God that you know if you want to use it, He will use it. He will. Get it. Yep. Yeah, I think good good application. I think is exactly right. I think sometimes we do take too much on ourselves as if. It all is up to us, and we've got to have the skill and ability and, and all that. And fail to recognize it's the Lord. <laughs> and uh, we ought to do what we can. Uh, God gave us our abilities, and he wants us to use them. But ultimately, it's the Lord. It's not us. Yeah. And it's also that sometimes, like, I don't know about you know, other people. For, for me, it's like whether I'll be overconfident or I'll be totally defeated. Like Whether I'll be like, oh, yeah, I got this. I'm awesome at this. You know? And I'll go do it. Or either sometimes, oh, I can't do this, he's too big or he's too small. Well, if God doesn't have too big or too small, you know, so if I don't rely on, you know, my ability, there's no limit for me to where, where I can go or how far that I'm going to reach. And you recognize the common denominator between being overconfident and feeling totally inadequate is you're thinking about yourself yeah. and not seeing the Lord as your strength. When you really see that the Lord's the one that's doing it, you don't have overconfidence yeah. and you don't feel inadequate. 
because you're just trusting the and Lord. And life is peaceful that way. You know? Yeah, well, it's at least honors the Lord and yeah. uh, a lot more effective. It's interesting. Sometimes, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm cautious. I'm more cautious about this than I used to be, but, you know, someone delivers a good lesson. And you don't, you don't mind going up and just saying, hey, appreciate you. That, that was a great lesson. But it's interesting to hear people sometimes respond, and, and I'm, I really appreciate those who say, well, praise be to God. You know, it's a very simple thing to say, and, and they're keeping themselves out of the way of the picture that way. And we need that, and that's, you know. We, we, we all need to see God as the source in those things. I think even the guy who's saying whatever he says about the lesson mm -hmm. needs to think about the fact, well, I mean, who should you mostly thank about that? God. I mean, even, even if, which isn't true, the ability to present it was all the man's, the message was all God's, we know none of us did one thing toward inventing that message, but the truth is every ability the guy had came from God too, <laughs> and the opportunity, and whatever. I mean, wow, there's just not, we need to give more honor to the Lord. And, and, and recognizing that he's the source of those things helps us a lot. And you see that all the time in, among the good people in the Old Testament. When, when they would go into battle and would win, they would speak of the Lord winning the battle, and they'd sing a song of praise to God, you know, and things like that, as opposed to, you know, sticking out their chest and looking at, look how great I am. If they were going about it with that attitude, they wouldn't win the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually not, you're right. <laughs> and if they did, it wasn't long before the Lord brought them down. Yeah, good point. Like uh, the Assyrians in Isaiah 10. Well, I think he moves on from here to like everybody's mission in all eras. He kind of just moves forward another step. So I think all of 24 and following is definitely applicable to all of us. How about uh, starting with 24 to 31? A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he becomes like his teacher, and the slave like his master. But if they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they have been lying than the members of his household? Therefore do not fear them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. But I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the house tops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet one of them will, or not one of them will fall to the ground, apart from the Father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are all very valuable, or you are more valuable than many sparrows. Okay, so 24 and 25. This is, this is an interesting approach to this. A disciple's not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. If you just read that verse, after reading the first 23 verses, wouldn't you say, huh? Why did Jesus say that? It's true, but why does he say it here? Because he wants them to think about that when they go out to teach, like they're going to treat them the way they treated Jesus? Exactly! Don't you expect that you're going to get treated any better than what your master did. You know, sometimes we think, well, I just wish we wouldn't have any sufferings. Well, quit wishing that. <laughs> That's like wishing that you get it better than the master did. That's not going to happen. If they said that, that the head of the house was the prince of the demons, what are they going to say about the members of his household? Do you see that? I mean... Wow. You know, if, if this is what they said about Jesus, why would you expect the world to praise his followers? We just should not expect that the world is going to speak well of us. That's really getting us ready. That's really putting us on, us on notice. This is not like, 
well, maybe you'll be one of the lucky ones that gets no rejection. You get one of the you're one of the lucky ones that gets no rejection if you're not a disciple. If you're a disciple, yeah, exactly. If you're a disciple, this is where it where it's at. So, what's he tell us to do? Twenty six and twenty eight and thirty one. Do not fear. That's easier said than done. <laughs> but he says, don't fear. In 26 and 27, don't fear them, so what? Keep telling the message. Don't. Well, don't stop. And don't. Don't, don't hide it. Yes. <laughs> don't hide it. Don't cover up your relationship to me. Proclaim it. You know, be, we've got to be open in proclaiming the message. Ah, man. I mean, we have, for me, I've given in way too much to not wanting to be called what they call Jesus and therefore not speaking openly the message. I mean, this is, this is very convicting. You know, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered on your housetop, in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. You know, you proclaim it upon the housetops, I think that's saying you be really public with it. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it might be kind of funny for us to, you know, go up on top of our house and start preaching, you know. <laughs> but the idea is you be open. You let everybody know, you know. How are we with that? Yeah, I could, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Even in a even in a uh, a, a peaceful setting. Yes. Why is it so hard in the peaceful setting? We're not worried that they're gonna, you know, torture us, are we? What are we worried about? Rejection. What they're gonna say about us. And that's just what he's talked about. What they call you. They, th that was a part of the persecution back then too. What they'd say. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're worried about is what will they say? You know, how will they treat me? But we're not thinking about we might, you know, get tarred and feathered. We're thinking about they might say bad things about me. They might not be my friend anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. Don't fear them. Preach it openly. That's really, that's really strong. Don't fear them, verse 28, the ones who can kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Who should you fear? God. God. <laughs> you know, hey, you want to fear somebody, not them. You fear God. He can do a whole lot worse than they can. The persecutors can only hurt the body. <laughs> uh, they're the ones, you know, uh, you know, they're not the ones to fear. You know, God takes care of you. You know, God cares about you. God loves you. You know, he loves the sparrows. He's numbered the very hairs of your head. I understand the average human head has about 140,000, whatever that's worth. Um, but do not fear. You're more valuable than they are. So if God even cares for the little birds, if God's got every hair on your head numbered, God will take care of you. Don't fear them. Trust the Lord. So don't fe do not fear, don't cover up your relationship to me. Don't fear them, fear God. Don't fear them, God loves you and will take care of you. Those are some really powerful points. Comments? So that needs to be tempered with his earlier teaching of... Uh, um, you know, be wise and don't just, you know, go prancing around when you know you're going to be persecuted or stoned or, um, you know, like I heard of, um, one preacher kind of going undercover so that he wouldn't get caught. When he was caught, they asked him if he would preach again and they let him out and he said, yes, I would. So, you know, they, he was really open about that and honest and then he wasn't afraid of them, but he also wanted to preach as long as he could. <laughs> you know? Yes. There is a delicate balance because what do you see the disciples doing? They preach to the judges in the trial. They didn't hesitate to preach, but would they flee? If they got a chance, they would. 
you know. So it's it's but but it's not it's not not preaching openly. The wisdom doesn't mean they decide, well, we're going to go underground and we're not going to say anything about this to anybody for the next 20 years. It wasn't like that. But it was that when they could take advantage of legal remedies, they did. You know, Paul didn't just, you know, let himself get beaten every time when he's a Roman citizen. Sometimes he, you know, mentioned it to him. <laughs> By the way, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think this is uh, what I get, you know. He didn't just let himself get ambushed. He appealed to Caesar, you know. It's okay to do that. It's, it's fine. But it wasn't like he just, oh, I'm not going to say anything anytime because they might persecute me. I always marvel that he went back to the city where he had been stoned um, and left for dead. You know, it's like, wow, who in the right mind would go back there? Well, he did. And I wonder how often. Yeah. He went mm -hmm. back there on the same trip. Yeah. He went back there on the next trip. Wouldn't be at all surprised he went there on the third trip from what it says. <laughs> so he probably went back there at least three more times. <laughs> uh, that's guts. A good way to lose them. But. <laughs> I think the reason why he's like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe they, they can like, they can, that's why like, what kind of people can do that? You know, like I was thinking, well, he, they go back and, well, they got stuff and probably, you know, they probably, I don't know what he was saying. Maybe he trusted in, in, in Jesus that, that the God have, you know, Jesus have the better place than this earth. That this is not your home. I have a better place for you. So, dead doesn't mean, they, they don't fear of dead no more. <clears throat> and, I, and I think that's, I just saw the two guys that you, well, today I was driving, I see the, uh, the two um, Mormon. Uh -huh were preaching on the street and they were it was cold outside and i was like wow these guys were like wow they they, they were on the street you know like two they're probably the same age with me they were preaching they were they look like pretty determined about you know whatever the message they need to deliver and i was looking wow what am i doing you know okay i look at myself i am thanks god that i'm in on I, i'm on truth that i you know reading the you know i don't know whether I have no judgment for them, but I think that I'm in in, in the right way that, you know, I am safe and I am, you know, the, my life is going at the right way, supposed to be with the you know, relationship with God. But I also see that, wow, these young guys can go out there and then, you know, suffer for what they believe that is the right, the right thing to do. And it put me back to, I'm not ready yet, but the, you know, hopefully God, you know, I just had to go back. I'm, uh, Hopefully God will help me out, you know, in the, in to see that, to believe in like Paul and the Peters that they that believe that this is not my wall, that I have a better, that to trust in Jesus, you know, what he teach, that this is not my wall, that he have a better place for me somewhere. Good point. So when they would try to flee persecution, they really weren't doing it so they wouldn't get killed. That wasn't their motivation. They were doing that so they could keep preaching. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's quite different. They weren't afraid of getting killed. Paul said, that'd be a whole lot better. But I know you guys still need me. So his goal is to be there for them and to proclaim the gospel. <coughs> you know, if it was as far as being killed is concerned, that'd be better off. That's, a, that's an amazing outlook on things. You can see how much more spiritually focused Paul was than we are a lot of times. <clears throat> Comments, thoughts? Um, can you say something about, in verse 28 it says, fear, like, fear God. And in verse 31 it says, do not fear. Well, I think, uh, do not fear men. Fear God. Okay. Now, there's a sense in which we should fear God and a sense in which we shouldn't, but I don't think that's this passage. Okay. I do think the general sense is, we fear God in the sense that we have a tremendous awe and respect and we're afraid of, you know, his wrath. But we don't fear God in the sense that we are intimidated by him and we let it keep a distance between us. We draw close to him because we love him. But we still would be afraid to, you know, do something wrong and we respect him greatly. 
you know, you can, if you had a really good father, you would both fear and not fear your father. Fear in one sense, not fear in the other. But here, I think, it's don't fear men, fear God. Okay. And fear God because, or fear, fear, you know, fear God and don't, don't fear men because God loves you. All right, other thoughts through 31? All right, look at a little bit of this. You know, he's really dealing here with uh, what it's going to take then to be a disciple. Uh, so how about 32 and 33? Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. There's several things I like about that. I mean, what really matters? Your relationship to Jesus. That's all important in this thing. You know, your stance toward Jesus determines whether or not your Father accepts you or not. And, you know, um, think about verse 33 when it comes to being afraid of men. You know, if you deny him before men, Jesus will deny you before the Father. I mean, wow. So much better to have men reject you than have the Father reject you. You know, don't hide your relationship with God. You know, and, and I like also the fact he doesn't give you any middle ground here. There's not the confessors, the deniers, and the, uh, you know, wishy-washy guys. You either confess or deny. There's no neutrality possible. Are you, are you with the Lord or are you against him? You know, it's kind of black and white there. Are you really willing to proclaim and have your allegiance and loyalty to God or not? Comments and thoughts. Well, how about 34 to 36? Do not think that I come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the, the members of his household. So, Jesus came to bring a sword, not peace. Jesus' mission produces division. You know, when the, when the kingdom goes out preaching repentance, it's confrontational. And when right goes out into the world of wrong, there's war. And so, there's going to be division. There's going to be strife, even in families. You know, people want peace. I want to become a Christian because then everything will be calm and peaceful and smooth. And there won't be any stress. Hello? That's not what he says. There's going to be a lot of stress. There's going to be a lot of division and conflict. Um, because your loyalty to Jesus strains family ties. It strains friendship ties. You know, people have to make the painful choice between Christ and their relatives. You know, Jesus is saying, it's me. You, are you willing to make me your absolute commitment, regardless of what else ha has to be sacrificed? You know, again, following the way of right can be lonely. You may lose a lot of people that are close to you. Isn't it amazing Jesus says that, just so matter-of-factly? So when we talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, we're thinking mostly of, like, peace between us and God not us and everybody who come in contact that's correct peace between Christians peace between us and God primarily in, in one sense Jesus came bringing peace and in another sense he came, came bringing war and, uh, today I was watching this uh, this uh, 11 hours thing the, um, uh, one of the DV at the house because uh, I, I was uh, free, free time and they were talking about all the act actor trying to do the piece, you know, on Earth, like uh, Mel Gibson, uh, not not Mel Gibson, uh, uh, Josh Josh Clooney and his his crew, and then some other actors. They were going to sit down and try to do some humanity things, and like all these scientists were talking about how human become that you know, we we have advanced, uh, you know, in throughout the year, and then we are 
a part of the nature and, uh, and they were talking about they, they, they didn't give anything to the they didn't m mention anything about creation they didn't mention anything about you know the uh, uh, the because and even though they were trying to do the humanity and I was seeing that there was a lot of things missing about you know but from what Bible teaching is like this they don't mention about God they, they were what they were t saying is that we were awesome and we have responsibility to to take care of the war right now because if we don't take care of it then it's gonna crumble and so they were trying to put this uh, I don't know the from what I messaged is something something wrong I don't want to say a lot of things but I couldn't just wasn't it was it was wrong already and and I also see that how how much these uh, you know the dear trying's like uh, the for um, Josh Clooney, he went out there and sit down and you know do his humanity thing, and it also failed. It never was like human body can like the UN itself. That their leaders, you know, their the UN United Nation, they were trying to teach you know about peace in Burma, peace in you know in in um in everywhere. They were trying to do humanity thing, but it always look at them. It's still failing everywhere. Nobody gonna listen to them. Why? Because like you're saying, it's conflict. Like they were. When it, when when political involved, they you can they can't go one side. They have to be always in the gray side. So nothing ever get done. And it's here is straight out. It's like I didn't bring fear for peace. I'm here. For, I bring the sword. So if you're gonna follow me, you're gonna be against because man in nature, like with the the humanity, man, the create the, the all our invention, all these things were from the beginning against with God already. And that's what I think. That's what I believe that it was again with God. That's the reason. That, that's why. But the very reason Jesus born this earth. So that he he can give us a new hope, you know. He can give us a new way of living. Maybe it was against with you know other people with, with the humanity that they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. And and I, I I'm seeing so, so much that the, the, the my, my mentor also is saying something about, you know, uh, something he mentioned about that as well. So I'm thinking, okay, you know what? It come to it, it come it come down to is is me personally and with the relationship with like he was saying with God. Is if we're gonna go look in, in for you know to apply you know, to apply the the Christianity on earth, it's always gonna be conflict because he ta he taught us this is not our home. The very beginning is not our home. So there's nothing to look for for us here. <laughs> we're we're aliens in the world. Yeah. You know we don't belong here. We're citizens of a different country, and so this world rejects us. So I need to stop here because of my next appointment. So. We will do that, and we will pick up here next week, Lord willing. Really good comments, good discussion, good chapter. So thank you for uh, participating in all of that.